You're listening to Jake Zape with Preaching the Sword of the Spirit. Grace, mercy and peace be to you from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text for today comes from the first epistle of John, chapter 1 verse 5 through to chapter 2 verse 2. This is the message which has been heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also of the whole world. Let us pray. Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So many people today refuse to acknowledge their sin. They refuse to accept the fact that what they are doing is wrong. When their consciences are pricked, they lash out and they seek to defend themselves. The natural inclination of man is self-justification. When children are caught fighting, they instantly try to justify themselves. It wasn't my fault, they cry. He started it. And the sin of self-justification began with our very first parents in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve had sinned, they felt the guilt. They knew that what they had done was wrong. And so they desperately tried to cover their sin and to justify themselves. They hid from God. They withdrew themselves from his presence. And they covered themselves in leaves in a desperate attempt to try and hide their sin. And when they were confronted and convicted of their sins, they became defensive. When their consciences were pricked by the word of God, they attempted to justify their actions. It wasn't my fault, cried Adam. The woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit. Wasn't my fault, said Eve. It was the serpent's fault. He deceived me. And to this day, man is still trying to self-justify. Whenever our consciences are pricked by the word of God and we feel the guilt of our sin, we make excuses in a desperate attempt to self-justify. We hear it every day in the society around us. People justify abortion by denying science and claiming that the child is just a blob of tissues. People justify the sin of homosexuality by saying things like, Love is love. 
It's natural. I was born this way, or even worse, God created me this way. People justify divorce by saying things like, we just didn't fit together, or we weren't right for one another. But all of this flies in opposition of God's word, which condemns murder, homosexuality and divorce, and instead praises childbearing and the marriage of one man and one woman. And this sin of self-justification is not something out there, but it is a sin that we all commit on a daily basis. Every single one of us here self-justifies. We say, it's okay for me to hate that person because they hated me first. But God's word says, love your enemy. It's okay for me to lie in this situation. It's only a little white lie, we say. But God's word said, you shall not bear false witness. It's not adultery just to have a look, we say. However, God's word says, whoever looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. It's okay for me to take this. It's not really stealing, we say. But God's word does not see it that way. Hate is hate. Lying is lying. Cheating is cheating. And stealing is stealing. And when we self-justify, we deny God's word and we promote lies instead. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God into a liar and his word is not in us. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, then Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, they are forgiven. When St. Peter was asked the question, what shall we do? He cried, repent and be baptized. Confess your sins. Repent of the wickedness that you have done and believe that your sins are forgiven. For Christ is the propitiation of our sins and not only our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. By Christ's death and resurrection, we have all been justified by his blood. There is no need to self-justify because Christ has already justified us. And in fact, we can't justify ourselves. When we deny our sin, God's truth is not in us. For when we deny our sins, we deny God's word. We place our own will above God's will, our own thoughts above his thoughts, our ways above his ways. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells us to repent or perish. Confess your sins or you too will likewise perish. When we self-justify, we hide ourselves from God. Like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, we flee from God's presence. In John's Gospel, Jesus said, the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest their deeds should be exposed. This is why we self-justify. Because we fear judgment. We fear that our reputation will be destroyed. 
We fear that people will think less of us. And we fear that we'll get in trouble and be punished. Therefore we hide. We keep our sins locked away in a closet. We hide our wickedness in the darkness so that no one may ever see it. However, this is exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to self-justify. He wants us to hide. Because when we hide, we run from God. We flee his presence, just like Adam and Eve ran and hid when they heard God coming in the garden. Satan wants us to self-justify. He wants us to keep our sin hidden. Because when we keep our sins hidden in darkness, we keep ourselves in that darkness. In order to keep our sins from being exposed, we choose the darkness. And then Satan has us exactly where he wants us. For those who walk in darkness do not practice truth and do not share in fellowship with God. Satan is the master of trapping us in our sin. His first trick is temptation. He convinces us that what we're doing isn't wrong. And so then we do it. We sin. And then comes the guilt. It eats at us. It burdens us. It weighs us down. And so we self-justify. We defend ourselves. We make up excuses. In doing so, Satan builds us up, but only so he can tear us down. Eventually, the guilt becomes too much. And when we can no longer self-justify, that is when despair sets in. We plummet down into darkness. And so we hide ourselves away, secluding ourselves in darkness, hoping that no ray of light will ever expose our sin. And the more we attempt to hide, the further we crawl into the darkness. And the deeper we go, the further we get from God and his word, and the further we draw ourselves away from God, the worse our sin becomes. And this is how Satan traps us. He wants to draw us further away from God and deeper into the darkness of sin. And this is exactly how addiction works. It doesn't matter what the addiction is, they all work the same way. Whether it's the sin of alcoholism, drug addiction, adultery, pornography, gambling addiction, homosexuality, kleptomania, that is stealing addiction, pathological lying, that is lying addiction, or any other sin. They all work the same way. First comes temptation. The law to try it. Then comes the first hit, immediately followed by the thrill. A mental, emotional, psychological, physical or even spiritual high which increases your desire for that sin. And then comes the crash. Once the thrill has worn off and the guilt and the shame starts to set in. That's when self-justification first appears. The desperate attempt 
to excuse or to hide the sin in order to relieve yourself of the guilt you now feel. But self-justification can only go so far. And that's when despair sets in. The guilt, the shame, the anxiety, the self-hatred as the reality of your sin weighs you down. You try to self-justify but it doesn't work. You try to deaden your conscience but you can't. The darkness closes in around you and you feel helpless and trapped. There's nothing that you can do. And then Satan reaches out his helping hand. He reminds you of the thrill that you once felt. The high. And so he offers you relief to your now suffering state of despair. Satan's answer? Just one more hit. Another bottle. Another drug. Another roll of the dice. Another woman, another lie, another magazine, something new to steal, whatever the sin, whatever the addiction, Satan reaches out his helping hand and gives you one more go. And then the loop continues over and over again. Satan lifts you up and lets you fall. And so the cycle of sin, thrill, guilt, self-justification, despair, and then sin again goes on and on and on. And so Satan traps you. For the longer the cycle continues, the worse it becomes. The more we seek to hide our sin, the further we crawl into the darkness. And so the sin becomes worse. We drink more. The drugs get stronger. The bets become higher, the gambling becomes more frequent, the sex becomes more perverse, the stealing becomes greater, the lying becomes more, the sin becomes greater and greater and greater. We become slaves to sin. We become trapped in darkness and there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. And so what do we do? Come into the light. Turn to Jesus in repentance. Confess your sins and lay them at the foot of the cross. If we expose our sins by bringing them into the light, then we expose ourselves to that light. And that light is Jesus Christ the righteous, who took those sins upon himself in death upon the cross. He is the light of the world. Those sins that you have committed have been forgiven. Therefore, we can confess our sins without fear of punishment. We can let go of our sin, our guilt and our despair. See, if we hold on to our sin, guilt and despair, it will weigh us down. But if we let go of it, Christ has already removed it from us. Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. All who are weary and burdened by their sins, come to God and he will give you rest. Bring your sins to Jesus and he will remove your burden. Confess and you are already forgiven.
Now this means bringing your sin into the light and exposing it. For sin only has power in darkness. And when sin is brought into light, the powers of darkness are destroyed and sin no longer binds you. Jesus sent Paul to preach the gospel in order that those who hear it will have their eyes open, that they will be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and be sanctified by faith in Christ. Time and time again, Scripture speaks of Christians being brought into the light. Those who stand in the light are exposed and their sins are exposed. However, those who stand in the light, stand in the light of Christ and receive his forgiveness. Therefore, do not try to hide your sin. For those who hide their sins seek the darkness, lest the light expose their evil deeds. Instead, confess your sin. For as James says, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If we hide our sin and claim that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sin, we will be healed. Our sins are forgiven and we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now since the Reformation, Lutherans have struggled to maintain the practice of private confession. The Roman Catholic Church made private confession into a mandate, a law, a good work that you had to do. But this strips confession of the true gift that it really is. Confession is not a law or a work or a burden that you have to do. Confession is a free and glorious gift given to us from God himself. Lutherans removed the mandate of private confession. And sadly, many people have taken this as a license to disregard the practice of private confession altogether. Lutherans never did away with private confession. Article 11 of the Augsburg Confession makes this clear when it says, Concerning confession, it is taught among us that private confession should be retained and not abolished. Private confession is a gift that provides you with healing and comfort. As Luther said in 1529 concerning private confession, If I were offered all treasure in a world where all the leaves on the trees and all the grains of sand in the ocean were gold, on one condition, that I abstain from private confession, then I would immediately turn down that offer. Luther considered private confession to be one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. See, private confession sets us free in a way that public confession fails to achieve. In the sense that when we confess a particular sin in private to another Christian, we can receive healing and absolution for that particular sin. When we are burdened by our sins, we should not hide them away. We should not try to justify ourselves. Instead, we should confess our sins to one another and be justified by Jesus Christ and his blood alone. Now, there are three benefits that private confession has over public confession. And the first is diagnosis. See, public confession is a generic acknowledgement that we sin. 
that we're sinners. But private confession is a specific identification and diagnosis of the sin that burdens you most. When you go to the doctor, you don't say, I have a generic illness and then receive a generic cure. No. When you go to the doctor, you tell them specifically what is wrong with you. Then they diagnose the specific problem and then they give you the specific cure for that particular problem. As John said, if we deny our sin, we deceive ourselves. God's word and God's truth is not in us and we lead ourselves away from God and into the darkness. But if we confess our sin, we have forgiveness and healing. If we acknowledge our sin, if we name it and claim it, then we can finally be set free from it. And this is the second benefit of private confession, the cure. When we become trapped in our sin, we fall into despair. We feel guilty and ashamed. We feel that this sin is so rotten and so unforgivable that God could never forgive me. We feel hatred for ourselves. We feel despair and we despise ourselves. We think that this specific sin is far greater than any other sin and this is the one sin that God could never forgive. But when we openly confess that sin, we can receive forgiveness for that sin. If you name the sin that is burdening you, then you can receive freedom from that specific sin. You can hear the words of absolution spoken over you for that particular sin and you can be assured that that sin is forgiven, that you have been forgiven of that sin. And the third benefit of private confession is help. If you confess your sin to a fellow Christian, then they can help you. If you confess to them that you are struggling with a sin, then they can hold you accountable. They can offer you advice. They can walk with you and help you to go forth and sin no more. Now, most people don't like coming to private confession. They're afraid to confess their sins to a pastor. See, we're afraid that he might judge us or that he might think less of us. We're afraid that he might tell us off or punish us for our sin. We're afraid to admit to our pastor that we are fallen sinful creatures. But there is no need to fear. See, John was a pastor himself. He wrote to his congregation and said, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if any one of you does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sin. We do not need to fear confessing our sin because Jesus has already died for us and removed the punishment for our sin. When the woman caught in adultery stood before Jesus, he said, Neither do I condemn you. Her sins had already been forgiven. And so when you come in private confession and you confess your sins to the pastor, you can do so without fear of judgment. For the pastor is the ambassador of Christ and when he speaks, he speaks the words of Christ. Therefore, when you confess your sins to the pastor, he should only ever speak to you the words of Christ, neither do I condemn you. The pastor speaks only the words of God 
And God's word declares that you are forgiven. If we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. For Christ has turned you from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that you may receive the forgiveness of your sins and be sanctified by faith in Christ. Jesus is the light of the world that exposes all sin. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all our sin. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the righteous, who cleanses you of all sin, comfort you with his forgiveness. Amen.